We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, hello everyone and welcome to episode 86 of the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. We've got a packed show. We're previewing the SEC tournament as the Gamecocks begin their SEC tourney after the double bye on Friday. Also, the Yardcocks beginning SEC play against the Georgia Bulldogs. Some other news and notes as well. We also sit down and talk with former Gamecocks right and pitcher Braden Webb as we discuss his South Carolina career, facing adversity, life in professional baseball, and more. Before we get into all that, this is a podcast presented to you by our friends over at our YouTube page, The Spurs Up Show. Yes, we are on YouTube. Our first vlog dropped last week. I have another one dropping this week uh, regarding South Carolina golf. We're very, very excited about the YouTube page. The video content will bring to that. So please be sure to go to YouTube.com, look up The Spurs Up Show, click the subscribe button, leave us a comment, leave us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, we're also presented to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. SeatGeek, the best ticket buying app by far. If you need tickets to anything, whether it be AAF, South Carolina Gamecocks events, if you're going to the men's basketball tournament, if you're going to South Carolina baseball this weekend, uh, any concerts, comedy club events, you name it, anything that you need tickets to, go download our friends over at SeatGeek and use our promo code SPURSUP. You're actually going to save $10 off of your first purchase. Again, that's SPURSUP, S-P-U-R-S-U-P. They're the best ticket buying app by far. They actually have a ticket rating system where they rate the tickets for you. So you know exactly what kind of deal you're getting. You know if you're paying a little bit too much or if you're getting a steal on the ticket. So again, that's SeatGeek. Go download that SeatGeek app. Use the promo code SPURSUP and save $10 off your first purchase today. All right, let's get into it. back episode 86 of the Spurs Up show. No Thomas Floyd this week had some scheduling issues, so you're just going to get a full dose of me this week. Uh, but I am Chris Phillips, your host of the Spurs Up show. Very, very excited to come to you guys this week as we have got a packed show, a lot going on in the world of the South Carolina Gamecocks. You know, it's funny. It's funny when there's this much going on, there really is no football news. Obviously, South Carolina on spring break as of this week. Um, so no football spring practice, nothing really going on with the football team, but still a packed week for the South Carolina Gamecocks, especially on the hardwood and on the diamond. We'll start on the hardwood. Like I said, South Carolina getting uh, the double by, South Carolina holding on to the four seed, really dismantling the Georgia Bulldogs over the weekend to clinch that four seed. Gamecocks will not play until Friday. So we're recording this Wednesday morning. Uh, the SEC tournament actually beginning today. 
I believe that Missouri-Georgia is the first game of the SEC tournament. Uh, and then Texas A&M Vanderbilt will follow. But South Carolina, I mean, obviously huge. We've talked before, you know, how big it is. I don't think I have to explain just how big it is that South Carolina has that double by, not having to play till Friday, being that four seed. And you look at the side of the bracket. We'll go ahead and jump right into it, sort of preview, you know, South Carolina's chances to win it all, you know, what the prospects are of them possibly making a – a magical March run, if you will, because we know March, there's a reason they call it March Madness. I mean, anything can happen, everything, you know, anything and everything can happen. We've already seen a team like Gardner-Webb punch their ticket to the, uh, the NCAA tournament, a team that had never even been there before. Um, so South Carolina, I mean, sitting on the, I would say, the best side of the bracket, you avoid Kentucky and Tennessee on your bracket, or on your bracket side at least. Um, it looks like South Carolina, whoever they're going to have to play, they're going to have to play the winner of – Auburn and the so Missouri Georgia and then whoever wins that game plays Auburn whoever wins that game South Carolina plays so most likely we'll say that South Carolina is going to play an Auburn team they've already beat this season um on the other you know up top on the bracket Arkansas and Florida will play each other that winner will play LSU so in LSU with everything they've got going on with their head coaching situation just a, a complete fiasco over there um you got to feel good about it if you're a South Carolina fan. Uh, I think South Carolina, obviously, the, the matchup in the season against LSU did not go the way you'd want it to go. Um, LSU really dismantling the Gamecocks at their place. But, again, I think things are a lot different. I think South Carolina's a, little, a better basketball team. I think they're a more confident basketball team. You saw the you know, the awards that came out yesterday. Hassani Gravett getting sixth man of the year. Chris Silva, all-SEC first team and all-SEC defense. A.J. Lawson, all-SEC freshman team. You know, you take you start to take a look at the bracket, and I mean, it really isn't. I mean, you think with the double buy, you only have to win three games to win it all. It's really not unrealistic to me to think South Carolina could get to the championship game on Sunday. Now, I'm not sitting here saying I expect South Carolina to win the whole thing because I don't. I, you know, I'm going to give my prediction full breakdown of the Daily Crow actually later this week, but I'll also tell you guys here, I, you know, I, I'm not expecting South Carolina to win the whole thing. I, I mean, I just. We've talked all season long that I feel like South Carolina has been a team. It, it feels like the SEC, while it's very, very deep and loaded, that the SEC is a team or a league where the top two, three teams, there's the top two, three teams, there's the Tennessee, Kentucky, and LSU, and then there's just gap, and then everybody else. And South Carolina, I think, is just outside with everybody else. I think they're closer than everybody else is, but I just don't know that if South Carolina, which I'd be shocked if they're not playing a Kentucky or Tennessee in the title if they get there. Um, I just don't think – I don't think South Carolina will be able to hang with a team like that, unfortunately. I just think Kentucky, Tennessee, those teams, those are final four caliber teams in my opinion. We saw what happened in the regular season. Again, it's no knock on them. Um, but those are just very, very highly skilled and talented basketball teams. Um, I already talked about the awards kind of the guys picked up. I mean, you know, I've said it so many times. I feel like I sound like a broken record, but tip of the cap to Frank Martin and his staff. Just what they did this season. I mean, after the terrible, really non-conference start in SEC play, or excuse me, non-conference play. And it's just a shame, really, that that's what's going to hold South Carolina out. Because right now, I mean, nobody's got South Carolina even on the bubble. Um, Gamecocks are most most likely staring the NIT in the face, um, which, again, after the way the season started, I can tell you personally from a fan's perspective, I know you guys will probably agree, I, I mean, I, I would take that. I, I mean, I, I'm ecstatic about that, honestly. I mean, I think that's a solid year. I mean, I, I'm not – you know, you, you, you want the NCAA tournament. I know fans want the NCAA tournament more than anything. But, you know, after the way the season started, I mean, to – 
to get to that point. The, the biggest shame in it to me is that Chris Silva's not going to get back to the NCAA tournament. That, that, that to me is the biggest shame in it, that the, the country is not going to get to watch Chris Silva do what he does. A guy that has been electric for South Carolina, was on that Final Four team a couple years back. Um, again, back-to-back All-SEC first teams and All-SEC defensives. I mean, a guy that's just a phenomenal basketball player, a guy that can really do it all for you and is just super fun to watch. Um, so, I mean, I really like the bracket for South Carolina. I think if I had to make a prediction right now for them, I think, honestly, I, I'm going to say they get to Saturday. I think they'll win a game uh, in the SEC tournament. But I, I just – I don't know. I, I think even with LSU, with all their coaching issues and all the, the turmoil surrounding them, they've still got really, really, really good basketball players. And to me, it's just it, – it's a situation where – you know, South Carolina, South Carolina is going to be running into very, very high caliber basketball when they face a team like an LSU, Kentucky, Tennessee, stuff like that. So I could definitely see them getting to Sunday. Um, I think more realistically, South Carolina gets to Saturday and loses. But I mean, listen, there's no way we're going to go through this entire SEC tournament without some crazy upsets happening. It might not even be LSU. I mean, you know, LSU's got to play either Arkansas or Florida, who are good basketball teams. I mean, South Carolina, obviously, knowing how good Florida is, um, you know, both of those are very high-quality basketball teams. So, you know, there's definitely going to be some upsets. I mean, listen, it's March. Craziness happens all over the country. Um, it may not even be Kentucky, Tennessee. I think I saw somebody say they predict they had Alabama in the SEC title game, which I, you know, I don't know about all that. But <laughs> I don't know about all that, but – uh yeah, I mean, it should be a lot of fun. I think, again, South Carolina's got every chance, good a chance as anybody, especially with the double bye. I mean, that's huge, getting some rest. You know, South Carolina, I think, will come out ready to go, fired up on Friday, and you're going to see a really, really driven South Carolina basketball team because they know what they've got to do. Listen, this team knows it's got to win the SEC tournament to get to the NCAA tournament. I think that's a given. You know, I, I think there's a stat no major team has ever gotten in the NCAA tournament with 16 losses, I believe, and South Carolina's sitting right on that cusp. So. You know, again, it's it's a shame that the non-conference hurt them so badly where, you know, they're not even on the bubble at this point. But I do think the opportunity is there. It's just – it's going to take some some weird things happening, in my opinion, because, you know, and the, the biggest question to me, does A.J. Lawson return? I mean, and Frank Martin talked about he could possibly return for the SEC tournament. That would be huge. That would be huge for this team getting A.J. Lawson back. Again, I already mentioned a guy who made all-SEC freshman team, a guy that – you know, I don't have to tell Gamecock fans how big of an impact he's had for South Carolina basketball this season. You know, getting A.J. Lawson back to me, and a, that's another huge kudos and credit to these guys for not really folding shop when A.J. Lawson got hurt. Because to me, you know, I really thought that that was kind of it. You know, I mean, you, you think. You're, you, at that point, you're so depleted. You're playing with like six top seven, seven guys at most. Um, and you're without, again, A.J. Lawson, who's been so good for you this season, and you continue to win. And, and that, to me, is just a testament to Frank Martin, the culture he's built, you know, getting his guys to believe and kind of that next man up mentality. But obviously, <clears throat> you know, the return of A.J. Lawson will be huge. And he's a playmaking type guy. He's one of the best freshmen, I think, in the country. I think he's a very underrated player, an underrated freshman. And um, getting him back, I mean, could change some things. I, I really think it could. I think it could help South Carolina – get to that championship game like we talked about. So, right now for my prediction for it, you know, I, I think South Carolina gets to the Saturday game. I think they lose to LSU. Um, but, again, I, I don't think it's unfathomable to see them get to Sunday and, 
who knows? I mean, if they get the right matchup, I think they could win the whole thing. That's the biggest thing is that can you not have to play Kentucky or Tennessee? That, that's going to be the toughest thing, though. I mean, I don't know who's going to beat those guys besides them beating each other. So, you know, it, it, to me, those are bad matchups for South Carolina. They're just tough matchups. Those are, those are two of the best teams in the country. But, you know, if South Carolina can run into the right matchups and can play good defense, can continue to shoot the ball well, can get that type of production they saw from their seniors on Saturday against Georgia. I mean, Chris Silva, Sonny Gravitz, um, and Trey Campbell were phenomenal. I mean, they were outstanding on Saturday against the Georgia Bulldogs. And, man, it's just – it is so fun to watch South Carolina whip Georgia's ass in literally in literally any sport. It, it's just a blast. I don't care if it's – I don't care if it's equestrian. I don't care if it's baseball, basketball, football. It's so much fun to watch the University of South Carolina beat Georgia like they did on Saturday. So, um, you know, should be a lot of fun. Obviously, we'll be covering everything. You know, I think Gamecocks again get to Saturday, but – who knows? I mean, it's March Madness and crazy things happen. And I'm just hoping and praying South Carolina has one of those magical runs up their sleeve, especially with uh, if AJ Lawson can return full health for South Carolina. Uh, speaking the speaking of beating the Georgia Bulldogs, South Carolina baseball. We'll move into that. They begin SEC play this weekend against Georgia. South Carolina uh, last night getting a getting a dramatic, I guess you could say, holding on for dear life, getting a 10-9 win over the Citadel. But Gamecocks right now. Sitting at 14-3, and I uh, obviously have the Clemson series win uh, on their resume, which is big after the Tigers swept number three North Carolina over the past weekend. But Gamecocks um, opening up at SEC play against the Georgia Bulldogs. Obviously very exciting. Everyone's pumped. The biggest thing, it's at Founders Park, which I think is a huge plus for this team. Um, a team that, you know, I still believe has some big question marks heading into SEC play, heading into this weekend. You know, you talk about the starting pitching. I think that's where you have to begin. You know, Wesley Sweat getting the start last week against Valparaiso. Gamecocks getting the sweep, but definitely some dramatics in that one. Um, you know, I talked about this on the Daily Crow earlier in the week, but, you know, Wesley Sweat and Brett Carey getting the starts on Friday and Sunday, respectively. You know, I, I think both guys didn't throw bad enough to X themselves out of that competition or to make you say, hey, that's not where they belong. That's not a good role for them. I'm just not sure either one of those guys threw well enough to say that's their role now, if that makes sense. So I'll be sh- I'll, I'll be very surprised if Reed Morgan's not the Friday night guy. Uh, obviously, this is going to be dropping on when you know this is dropping on Wednesday. Um, that announcement probably should come tomorrow. I'll be very surprised if Reed Morgan is not the Friday night guy for South Carolina because of just how consistent, how good he's been. Um, you know, it's so important to get off to a good start in these these uh, these weekend series, especially in conference. You know, it's very tough after you lose the first game to come back and win two in a row, um, especially with the guys that these other teams are throwing on their side. I mean, they, they've you're an SEC team. You've got some guys that can spin the baseball. There's no doubt. So I'll, I'll be surprised if Reed Morgan's not the, the Friday night guy. Um, and, I mean, from there, I think it's going to be a shuffle. I mean, I, I like keeping Brett Carey in the Sunday role. I thought he threw pretty well. I think he's a guy that kind of deserves the opportunity the way he's thrown the baseball for Carolina. Um, and, and again, I, I like Wesley Sweat. I do. I think he big, you know, big-bodied right-hander um, can throw really hard. I uh, got some really good stuff. But it's just, you know, everything's really an unknown. I'm sure Georgia's got unknowns on their side as well. A lot of teams do because, you know, you're getting into SEC play now, especially a team like Georgia. Georgia hasn't had the benefit of playing a team like Clemson, like South Carolina did. I mean, they've played a bunch of. Let's face it, they've played a bunch of, you know, lesser schools, lesser opponents, and non-conference, uh, non-conference action. So. The SEC play is obviously going to separate, you know, the the boys from the men. And Georgia comes in this one ranked, I think, I believe, eighth in the country. 
Um, so it's a big time matchup. I mean, the top 25 matchup at Founders Park. Um, you know, some of the other bigger questions as well. Can South Carolina cut down on the strikeouts against SEC pitching? Obviously, this is a team that's averaging almost 10 strikeouts a game, as good as the offense has been. I'm not trying to take anything away from the offense, obviously, but I'm looking at the question mark specifically. Um, and I know these are things that, you know, Mark Kingston and Skylar Mead definitely have that they're focused on. They have circled that, you know, they're trying to fix or limit, I guess you could say, as quickly as possible and make sure that everything is tied up going into this weekend. But I think that's a big thing, too, obviously. I mean, listen, college baseball, man, you're going to do you do yourself so much more favors when you put the ball in play because, listen, these are college kids. As good as these kids are at the SEC level, they're going to make errors. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to make mental blunders even. So putting the ball in play, you're just – obviously, you're giving yourself a chance. You know, when you strike out, you give yourself no chance to get on base. Um, you know, besides that offensively, though, I mean, this is a team that's rolling. You scored 10 runs against the Citadel last night. You've had back-to-back hitters of the week. Uh, national hitters of the week with Jacob Olson and T.J. Hopkins. T.J. Hopkins just went for the cycle on Sunday against Valparaiso, which was crazy, crazy awesome to watch. It was just just fantastic to watch. I I mean, this is a team that is going to need to rely on its offense at least early on in SEC play while the pitching gets figured out. Um, You know, I think we saw a little bit of that last night, to be honest, against the Citadel. You know, South Carolina with a – had, I, th- I believe it was a seven to one lead. That game ends up 10 to nine because of, you know, guys coming in relief and not exactly throwing, you know, their best. I mean, give Citadel credit. I mean, they, they hit the baseball over the yard. I believe they had 14 hits on the game last night, but um, in South Carolina's bullpen did throw really well over the weekends. I don't want to take anything away from them, but you know, that's going to be the biggest question that needs to be answered with this team is how does the pitching shake out? Because, you know, there are a lot of guys that have a lot of good stuff. There are a lot of arms that have a lot of good stuff. But at this point right now, it doesn't really feel like there are roles with this team. It feels like more it's just all hands on deck. Like, if we need to get an out, we're going to the – like, they're going to give an opportunity to anybody to get an out. You know, uh, that, that's going to be the big thing. I mean, I was talking to uh, some fans last night on social media, and, you know, my biggest question was where is Sawyer Bridges? Because I thought last night – I mean, listen, I know you want to get a lot of guys that don't normally throw – in the midweek games, and I think that was kind of what they were doing. It's like, hey, you know what? The, the staff understands if you lose a midweek game, it's not the end of the world. And you trust those guys you're bringing in, too. You're not trusting them to lose. But my question is, you know, I'd like to see a guy like Sawyer Bridges get some work. I mean, he, here's a guy that, you know, you said you thought was the best closer in the country coming into the season. Listen, he hasn't been perfect. He hasn't been perfect by any means, but he hasn't been bad either. I mean, you know, that first weekend of the season, he threw one bad pitch and he got hit for a home run. Other than that, I think he had six strikeouts. Um, you know, and then his other appearances, <clears throat> like I said, he hasn't been perfect, but he hasn't been bad either. And a guy that I want to see him throw more. So I would have liked to see him get an inning against the Citadel just to get some work. But is he really your closer? I mean, I had people asking, is is he the closer? I mean, I don't know. I think it's just whoever can get get you three outs at this point. So, you know, It'll be very interesting to see because I think when you get an SEC play, everything's going to work itself out. All the questions that we have, they're going to be answered. We're going to find out about this team. There's no, there's no hiding in SEC play who you really are, in my opinion. Um, you know, can this team keep the momentum as well? I mean, listen, you've got a lot of momentum. As much as I talked about there's question marks, this is a team even with those question marks. It's 14-3. and three. You've won your biggest series of the year, two of three against Clemson. You just, you've just swept uh, – well, so, you listen, you've won two – three you've won seven games in a row now so I'm, I mean you know you're, you're this is a team that's rolling for sure it has a lot of positive momentum and the biggest thing about this team no matter what happens 
this team finds a way to win. It, it reminds me of some of the older teams, some of the Ray Tanner teams, where this team, it, there's a lot of different ways to win a baseball game. It, it, there's many different ways. You know, you can win some 10-9, some games you're going to win 10 nothing, some games you're going to win one nothing. You know, there's a lot of different ways to win a baseball game. Then this team, you know, <clears throat> while sometimes it may not be pretty, this team's finding ways to win. I mean, that's the biggest thing, and that's really all that matters. You know, speaking with some fans over the past week or so, you know, South Carolina getting that uh, that walk-off win over Valparaiso. The, the, you know, obviously you know which one I'm talking about, Luke Berry, Hill, Jacob Olson going back-to-back homers to win the game in the bottom of the night. And, you know, winning two over three against Valpo would have been fine. You know, nobody I don't think would have had a, a panic attack or anything. You never know. But um, those are the kind of games to me that you look back on at the end of the season and say, man, it was just nice to pick up that win. It was nice to boost the resume with that sweep instead of that two out of three. Like, it, the little things like that, they all they all add up when you get to the end of the season. And this is a team, you know, beating the Citadel 10 to 9, you know, not losing that game. This is a team that has found out ways to win in different ways. And, you know, I think what was great about last night against Citadel is that South Carolina didn't hit a home run, scored 10 runs anyway. So, you know, that's been the biggest criticism, I think, from people I've heard, and that's that's certainly something to, something to think about. A question is that when you live and die by the home run, it feels like it's feast or famine. Now, listen, South Carolina's lineup has mainly feasted this season. They've hit 32 bombs, which is second in the country. So I don't know that's really going to be an issue, but it's great to see as well this team can also <clears> – <throat> excuse me – this team can also manufacture runs when it needs to because that, you're going to have to do that in SEC play. There's going to come a point where you've got to bunt a guy over or you've got to have a productive bat. You've got to hit the ball to the right side. You've got to hit a pop-up to the outfield to score a run. And I think this team can do that. I think this team, to me, feels like a lot of smart baseball players, even with some of the younger guys, I feel like. A lot of guys that understand the game of baseball. And I think that's from Coach Kingston, honestly, rubbing off on these guys, understanding being smart baseball players, knowing the game, um, and simply just executing. So should be a lot of fun. You know, I'll give my full predictions, full, full series breakdown on the Daily Crow later this week. But I, I'm very excited about it. I mean, obviously – you know, the big thing, I'm so glad the, the series is at home, you know, starting at home at Founders Park. Should be a packed house, should be a raucous environment. Um, obviously, anytime the Georgia Bulldogs come to town for anything. So, should be a lot of fun there. Um, some other news and notes, some stuff I want to touch on real quick. I was actually, if you guys saw, you follow us on social media. Um, I was at the Palmetto Intercollegiate, Carolina Golf, winning by 35 strokes. Again, I know we don't really – ever talk about golf, but I certainly want to give those guys a shout-out. Winning by 35 strokes in the Palmetto Intercollegiate. Will Miles also winning the individual championship, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, also want to give a big shout-out. Like I said, I was out there. <clears throat> we'll actually have a vlog coming out tomorrow. I was able to get some video content. It was very, very cool. Um, follow around some Carolina golfers, stuff like that. Um, I want to shout-out shout out Michael Mackey, a golfer at Winthrop. Uh, so late last night, I get a DM. On Twitter, uh, says, hey, man, saw you out at Palmetto. Was putting on 18 this morning when you were standing beside number one tee box. Meant to come by and say, hey, and then I was a big fan of the show. But you'd gone to follow Carolina's team. Nonetheless, I'm a huge fan of the show. So, Michael Mackey from Winthrop Golf. Very, very cool. Obviously, very awesome. Want to give you a shout-out, my man. Um, definitely let's link up sometime. But, yeah, just a very fun day. Obviously, Palmetto is a beautiful golf course for those who have never been or never seen it down in Aiken, South Carolina, definitely one of the, you know, just in the state of South Carolina, it's definitely one of the premier courses in the state of South Carolina. So congrats, congratulations to our friend Billy Mack, friend of our show, 
Uh, we're gonna have to get him on Masters Week quickly, quickly approaching. I definitely want to uh, definitely want to get some golf talk going. If you guys still know that, or for you guys that know, I'm, I'm a huge golf guy. So, and it's definitely it's definitely that time of year. Um, you know, where golf season is quickly approaching with Masters coming, you start to kind of get that itch. You know what I mean? So, um, all right, let's get into let's get into some of your listener questions. If I can pull up these these questions here, um, ton of good listener questions this week. Let's see. Yep. Ton of good listener questions this week. We'll get it to in just a sec. Um, but yeah, it is funny with no football going on. I mean, you still got a ton of news, but it's strange. It's almost kind of strange. Again, everybody being on spring break, um, <clears throat> stuff like that. So let's see here if I can just find the post. Let's see. Well, I'm trying to find it, guys. Just give me one second. Just bear with me. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Sorry about that. I was looking right over it. All right, let's get into some listener questions. You got a pretty good bit of them. Um, Wiggins.Harry5, Georgia weekend starting pitchers. So if you watch the Daily Crow tomorrow, I'll have a full breakdown on that. Um, Honestly, don't have it pulled up in front of me. Um, I like to save the breakdown of the series for uh, the Daily Crow just because, you know, I, I feel like more people will tune in. And I don't want to rant too, too long about baseball on the podcast. But they've got a good starting rotation. They, they go, they've got guys that can spin the baseball. They've got three very talented guys. Listen, the number eight team in the country. You don't have – you're not a top ten ranked team if you don't have a good starting rotation on the weekend. Um, let's see. Capped underscore way. Could everyone just put down the QB1 topic until after the NC game, North Carolina game? That'd be great. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I agree. I, I think it's just, you know – with it being the off season, listen, there's just not a lot to talk about. People are going to, going to, you know, people, there, there's some people that don't like base or even if you do like baseball, people are starving for football. Let's face it. Football is King. And you know, the off season is the time to have that kind of conversation. Listen, that's the kind of stuff that will again, work it. It's funny. Most of the time when people have conversation like that, it will work itself out in the field. There's no doubt. It's going to work itself out in the field. Um, but yeah, I'd agree. I mean, Jake Bentley's your starting quarterback, no matter what, it's really just a fight for number two at this point between Ryan Holinsky and the carry on joiner. I think I, I wouldn't let any other fan tell you differently. I, I just, you can't realistically think to yourself that Ryan Holinsky is going to come in and in the spring and fall, take the starting quarterback job. It's just, it's just ridiculous. There's just no chance of it happening. Um, Rigo underscore Lopez 12. How many three-star, four-star and five-star recruits do we have for football? And I'm assuming that you are talking about the 2020 class. So if you take a look at the 2020 class, which we can pull up here. Because I'll be honest with you guys, I'm not, listen, I'm not a huge, 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 huge recruiting guy in regards to looking that far ahead. Um, You know, for the 2020 class, South Carolina right now has got four commits. Luke Doty, Isaiah Walker, Tyshawn Wanamaker, and Daquan Stewart, uh, three of the four are four-stars, and you got one three-star for that. The reason – if you guys ever wonder why, the reason why I don't get so diehard in the recruiting and I, I just – you know, listen, I, I've been – you know, I don't want to toot my own horn or whatever, but I, I've been a recruit before, and I know, like, how back and forth and, you know, undecided you can be even when you call somebody and you commit. You're still sitting there thinking, to me – you know, I, I like seeing the guys commit. You know, you like to follow because recruiting is the lifeblood of college football. I mean, that's really what it's all about. And really, you could say it's the lifeblood of college athletics. Um, but it's so – it's just 
it's so unpredictable, man. These kids never know where they're going to land up. To me, I'm like, it's official when it's pen to paper. That, that's when it really matters. That's when I'll get excited because looking a year out, I mean, so much can change. These kids can change their mind in, in five seconds. So, yeah, again, South Carolina's building a great 2020 class. I mean, again, you talk about already got a guy like Luke Doty, Isaiah Walker, those guys jumping up in the rankings. Um, you, you know, we talked about that last week. But, you know, overall, there's still a lot of guys that try to go out there and get, you know, there's a lot of guys I've heard about that South Carolina's got a good chance to get. And we'll definitely – update on that for sure I don't want to you know release anything obviously but um I think South Carolina will be just fine on the recruiting trail in regards to what Will Muschamp and staff are doing uh what will be uh, here you go Stokes underscore Huey what will South what will be South Carolina's conference record in baseball um you know taking a look right now I mean I think this is a team that's gonna be it's tough I it really just depends how quickly how quick how quickly the weekend rotation comes together because this is a team that offensively has got it figured out in my opinion. Now every team, every offense, I want to warn people listening. Every team goes through some sort of slump or a cold streak, if you will, on offense. So don't be surprised if there's a series or a couple games where South Carolina, you know, needs its pitching to win. I mean, it's just, it's going to happen. That's baseball. Um, but conference record, I mean, right now, gun to head, I would have to say they're going to be right at just above a 500 team. I just think that it's going to be hard to win consistently when you've got so many questions on your pitching staff. And, that, and that's just the truth, man, because you're going up against some of these teams. I mean, when, you're, when South Carolina faces the Vanderbilts, the Floridas, the, um, the LSUs, the, you know, even the Georgias, I mean, these, these are teams that have their starting rotation figured out. They've got all three guys set. Um, you know, there's no doubt about that. So I'm saying just above 500 right now. I'm not saying it can't be somebody else or that it can't be better than that because I think it certainly can, especially if the offense can continue to hit at this clip they are right now. But gun to head right now, I'd say slightly above 500. If they can get the, you know, if they can get the starting pitching figured out, I think this is a team that could com- compete for the SEC East, to be honest with you. They've got that good of a lineup, in my opinion. Um, Z-Bird 86, Gamecock Baseball, we back? Um, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't – so I'm weird. I, I don't feel like South Carolina baseball ever left. I mean, I, listen, if you had some rocky season – you had some rocky seasons, okay. But, I mean, this is a program that literally went to the Super Regionals last year. That's already back. You're already back at that point. I mean, you're a game away from Omaha. So, they're – you know, I think fans got – I think fans say, oh, well, when South Carolina gets to Omaha, they'll, they'll be back. I mean, I, I just think that 2010 from 2012 run sort of maybe will lose the sight of reality that, like, you're not going to go to Omaha every year. You're, you're just not. I mean, it, people don't realize how hard it is to get to Omaha in the first place. How hard is this to even get to a Super Regional? How good of a team you have to be? So, you know – I picked South Carolina to get to the Super Regionals and lose out in game three again. I think next year will be kind of the year they really break through. And, you know, next year next year with these young guys being a year older, a lot of the same guys are turning. You know, Logan Chapman and Grant Lawson both returning from injury. I, I think uh, this is a team next year that could be very, very deadly and be probably a top 15, top 10 preseason ranked team. But, um, I mean, I feel, you know, and I feel good that South Carolina could get to Omaha this year if they can answer some of the questions I talked about. But, I don't feel like South Carolina baseball really ever went anywhere. I mean, I don't think this is a program that ever left, if that makes sense. I mean, listen, did they, did they miss the postseason two out of three years under Chad Holbrook? Yes. But, I mean, 
literally the next season you go to the Super Regionals and lose the third game. So, I mean, I don't think this program is, like, really ever left. It's just can they get back to that level, get, getting back to Omaha. So, Gamecock baseball, we never left. That's my answer. Um, Clark SP34, Sawyer stay closer all year. If not, who? I mean, I don't think he's done enough to lose the job. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I, don't, I don't think he's done enough to lose the job. I, I will say this about Sawyer Bridges, the thing that scares me, especially when you get into SEC play against these lineups, he's the kind of guy to me where, you know, it, it could happen to Reed Morgan too. Well, Reed Morgan does throw a little bit harder, but it could happen to Reed Morgan too, but I don't think it ever will because Reed Morgan has just shown his, his delivery is so repeatable. He's going to stay down in the zone, have great sync. But Sawyer's a guy where he doesn't throw hard enough, obviously, to blow it by people. So he's a guy where if he's not getting sync on the baseball, if he's staying flat and elevated – He's going to get tattooed. I mean, there's just no other way to put it. I mean, his, you know, he's got good stuff. He's got a deceptive arm angle, you know, deceptive delivery, but he's the kind of guy that he can't afford to miss in the middle of the plate. He just can't do it. And when he does, that, I think that's why it's really with him, what you've seen this season, he's either striking out six guys or he's giving up a home run. Because, and especially in SEC play, when you miss, when you, when you miss those teams are going to make you pay. They're going to make you pay. So that's really what concerns me with Sawyer Bridges. Now, again, I don't think he's done enough to lose a job. I, I don't think you can just put him to the side now. I mean, I think you've got to at least give him a chance. I mean, something. I mean, hopefully there, there's a point maybe in the series this weekend where South Carolina, <clears throat> you know, I mean, shoot, if it is a one-run one game, I'd still like to see him in there. But hopefully it's a situation where, like, it's a three, four-run game. And you can bring him in and just see how he does. You can bring him in and see what happens because – I think you're going to be able to tell pretty early on, um, you know, if he's going to be your guy or not. Because if he goes out there, gives up two, three runs, you still get the win. But you're going to be able to tell, like, I'm not sure this is a guy that's going to be able to throw us, get us three outs before he gives up a run. I just, you know, like I said, when you get in SEC play and SEC baseball, a lot of the questions you have, they're going to be answered simply on the field. I, this, they're going to work themselves out. Baseball is not a game where you can hide for very long. You're going to get exposed. The game of baseball will expose you if it needs to. So, I think right now Sawyer Bridges should be the closer, but I think obviously it's, it's you know, it's kind of pending on can he show that he can be the guy. Um, Squints 2, final question asks, Clemtard swept number three UNC. What does that mean for the series win for the Cox over Clemson? I think it's huge. I mean, you know, I hate Clemson, obviously. We all hate Clemson. Um you know, I don't ever want to pull for Clemson in any way, shape, or form. But when you realistically take a look at it, you know, every series that Clemson wins is just great for South Carolina. It's just boosting RPI. It's boosting its resume. Um, so, listen, again, I, I would not say pull for Clemson. Never. I would never say pull for Clemson. But you take a look what happened in Clemson over the weekend, them getting the sweep over number three, Chapel Hill. And, I mean, that's that's a good – I mean, that's definitely a good thing for South Carolina. Listen, I don't think South Carolina should be a team that's on the the cusp of making the NCAA, you know, postseason, the regionals, if you will. I think they'll be comfortably in. But, like, when you're trying to host, for example, that's a good resume booster. Um, just say, hey, we beat – you know, I mean, you imagine, like, if Clemson went on and won the ACC championship, I mean, it's like we took two or three from that team. So, I mean, that's a great resume booster for South Carolina – I mean, I love to see them lose. I, I don't ever pull for Clemson, but if it can benefit South Carolina at the end of the year, 
South Carolina got the series win over Clemson anyway. So even if they win every single game left this season, Carolina got that series win. And no, no Clemson fan can say anything different, obviously. So it's a tough question because we all hate them very, very much. But um, whatever is going to help South Carolina, especially host a regional. I mean, I, I just I, I'd love to see Carolina bring a regional back to Columbia again. It feels like it's been way, way, way too long. So. Um, other than that, that's pretty much going to do it. Um, obviously, we've got our interview with Braden Webb. Fantastic interview. Before we get into that, it's presented to you by our friends over at MyBookie. Listen, if you're not gambling with MyBookie yet, this is the time. Literally cut this podcast off. Go cut this podcast off. Or while you're listening to Braden Webb, go to MyBookie.ag. Use the promo code SPURSUP and create your new account today. They're going to give you a 50% deposit bonus. With March Madness coming up, literally next week and we're going to have a march madness bracket as well that i think i'm going to drop later today i think it'd be something for the fans to all do and you know who doesn't love to get involved with march madness but if you're trying to win some money if you're trying to win some money on march madness go use our friends at my bookie there's no better online booking site and i mean listen if you're a red-blooded american man that has a pulse right now you know you're going to gamble on on some college basketball during march madness you know you are don't try to tell anybody any different you know you are so if you're going to gamble with them Go to mybookie.ag, create that account with the promo code SPURSUP. You're going to get that 50% deposit bonus. So, for example, if you <coughs> – excuse me. For example, if you, you know, put in $500 to start your account, but you use our promo code, they're going to give you an additional 250 to play with. You put in 1000 they're going to give you 500 It's that simple. So, when you go, go to mybookie.ag, use that promo code SPURSUP. They're the best online gambling site. They're awesome. They have great reviews. They have the best lines, in my opinion. Also, if you need anything from them, you can reach out to them on social media via tweet, via direct message. They'll get back to you literally within minutes. Payouts are super simple as well. And again, March Madness next week. You'd be silly not to have an online booking site ready to go. So go to mybookie.ag, use the promo code SPURSUP, get that 50% deposit bonus. Remember with mybookie, it's not who you're gambling on, but who you're gambling with. That's mybookie.ag, promo code spurs up. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, guys, enjoy this interview with former Gamecocks right-handed pitcher Braden Webb. All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up show is a man that pitched for the Gamecocks in 2016, was named freshman All-American from collegiate baseball, earned freshman All-SEC honors as well, was taken by the Milwaukee Brewers in the third round of the 2016 MLB draft. I want to welcome to the show Braden Webb. Braden, it's a pleasure to have you on, man. I'm really glad we were finally able to get you on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, Braden, let's try to kind of go back and start because we were talking a little bit off air about kind of the unique path you had being drafted as a true freshman. Um, but in high school, you're rated the 67th best college prospect in the nation for uh, 2016 by D1 Baseball. Um, a guy very highly regarded. You were drafted in 2015 by the Cleveland Indians. Um, then obviously you faced some adversity with an arm injury. Just kind of talk about, you know, what that was like being such a high profile pitcher, being a guy that you knew you were most likely going to have success at the next level uh, and then facing that arm injury, how that kind of changed things for you. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, just going into my senior year, um, being committed to South Carolina and being sought out to be a first or second rounder right out of high school um, coming out. Oh, I came out guns blazing, two and oh, two no hitters. I think I had like forty some strikeouts through three games and then that third game blew through my elbow because I didn't have a UCL and I fractured all the way through my arm. And when I went into the surgery room they told me that, that was the most messed up arm they've ever dealt with. 
and that there's a chance I might not ever throw a baseball again, you know. So as an 18-year-old kid, you're sitting there reevaluating life itself, like, ah, what am I going to do, you know? But uh, I just I just kind of always felt it in my heart that that wasn't how it was going to be, and, and uh, I knew that God had other plans for me and for my baseball career, and and so I just, I just stuck with what I knew, and I was working hard to get back to where I was, and if not better than what I was before. And Coach Holbrook, uh, I was the year that I took it, or the year after I graduated high school, he was like, "Hey, just offer up your scholarship money so we can go out and get a couple of guys for for the, the scholarship money that we're offering you, you know, um, and just come in as a true freshman, get played one year here." get drafted even higher than where you're going to get drafted in the draft this year. And he was right. I mean, I went 35 rounds higher the year after I went uh, to school. And so he's, he's one of those people that always believed in me and always, always trusted in what, what I was going to become. And so, I, I mean, I felt it was, it was necessary for me to honor my commitment to him, uh, you know, because I, I did have a lot of doubts about leaving home and, and moving out into the world on my own. And then he just was, he was always there to, to show me love and support and, and uh, trusted and believed in me. So, uh, I mean, I, I always felt like I had a good support system when it came to that. Yeah, you talk about former Gamecocks head coach Chad Holbrook. Let's dive into that really quickly. Obviously, um, you know, now obviously Mark Kingston, the head coach, Holbrook coaching up to 2017. Just kind of talk about uh, your relationship with Chad Holbrook as a whole, because I know it has to probably be very special to you, a guy that, you know, stayed true to his commitment on his end as well and gave you an opportunity even after the injuries and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I I honestly believe that, you know, you're not going to find – a better recruiting coordinator in the country than Chad Holbrook. I mean, the guy knew what he was doing. Uh, there's a reason that he was so highly sought after when he was at North Carolina and he had the guys, big arms, big players coming through when he was there. And then you got the big name players that are there when he's at South Carolina. I mean, he's got two national championships and those are guys that he recruited. He went out on his, he went out to go get those guys, you know, I mean, uh, Coach Tanner did a, a fantastic job with with the players and and how to how to show them how to play the game. And I mean, you you you're not gonna back up what Coach Ray Tanner did because that was something special. Um, and once you step out of that recruiting coordinator role and you step into a head coaching role, you 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 don't go out and you don't go get to get the guys that you think you're going to be the best for the program you know what I mean like you you have to trust in the other guys that that come out and your your recruiting coordinators and your other coaches that go out and do all the recruiting and stuff you got to trust in those guys and see what's special with them but um I I firmly feel like my relationship with coach Holbrook grew from the moment he saw me pitch the first time because he was like uh he, he gave his farm to um, our, our head coach for the Evo Show Canes, Jeff Petty, was like, "Hey, had Braden call me. I want to talk to him. I want to, I want to get him to South Carolina." And so I called him, and he was like, "Hey, I love you. I love the way you pitch. I love the, everything about you. I want to get to know you. I want you to come be at my school." And I went out on a recruiting trip, fell in love with the school. Uh, I mean, because I grew up watching South Carolina play, and so that was that was the number one team on my list, and. Um, so he was like, get out here. And then 
he was like, I know that you're going to want to enjoy the process. You're going to want to enjoy the recruiting. And he was the only coach that I had that was like, hey, take your time. Don't rush into any decisions. If you want to wait until the day you show up to a college, if you show up at my doorstep, you're going to have your scholarship offer. You know, don't feel like you need to commit to me right now. And he stayed in contact with me. He trusted in, he trusted in what he believed and he felt confident. And so I, I so that's a, a huge reason as to why I committed to South Carolina was just because of everything that he had to offer and everything that the, just the way he handled his business, you know, I, I mean, cause I had other college coaches that were like, all right, we need a commitment from you right now. And when I was on a visit, I was like, I'm a 16 year old kid. Like I'm not trying to commit to you right now. Like I want to enjoy this process. I want to, I want to visit schools. I want to find what's best fit for me and, and what, where my family feels comfortable sending me and I, I want to enjoy the moment because it's, it's something that not a lot of people get in the first place. And why would I, why would I want to rush into anything? And he, he always, he always gave me that sense of comfort and space that I needed. And, you know, he was, he was very committed to having me come to that, to come to South Carolina. And I just forever grateful that he honored his commitment to me and I got to honor my commitment back to him in the program absolutely so you kind of led me to my next question which is I mean you're not exactly a local kid in the sense that you're from Owasso Oklahoma um, and you talked about again that relationship what got you to South Carolina was there ever you know another school as far as maybe like a dream school I know you said you grew up watching South Carolina and I was just taking a look I mean definitely when you were in high school you know, that was South Carolina was in Omaha every single year, winning the two national championships, going to three straight. Was there ever, you know, was it ever even a, a decision for you? Was it a no-brainer to go to South Carolina? Or was there, like, maybe another dream school that, that came knocking as well? You know, I mean, I had I had other relationships with other coaches, but South Carolina was always number one. And I think Coach Holbrook knew that because I just loved it. But, uh, no, there was – I mean – if I wanted to stay close to home, I could have went to Oklahoma State. I could have went to OU. You know, I could have went anywhere in the Big 12 that I wanted to go. But I just I just felt in my heart that South Carolina was where my feet needed to be. And so I, whenever that came, uh, and when it came time to commit, I was like, all right, that's where I'm going. That's, I'm about to give – about to sign my life away to South Carolina. And I never I never looked back on it. Absolutely. So you talked about in 2015, that was a gap year for you. You used that year to train up in Maryland, you talked about. Um, and then 2016, obviously, came to South Carolina. I'll ask you, because you said before, you know, the doctors told you that, you know, like you may never even get to throw a baseball again in general. Um, you know, when you were training that year, because a year can feel like a really, really long time when you're doing something like that. I know all you want to do is just be on the field and do what you love to do. What did doubt ever creep into your head that it's like, I don't know if this is really going to work out or, you know, I know you're big on your faith, which I want to get to in just a second. I'm just <laughs> kept you kind of steadfast and on the right path. But I mean, what was that like just battling that adversity every single day, you know, still getting to throw the baseball around, but not getting to do it for the school that you wanted to be so badly at. How are you able to manage that? Uh, I, I had a good, I had a good base of, uh, faith-filled people that were around me and, and people who, who believed in me and believed that you know, what the doctors were saying wasn't going to be true. And, you know, uh, the the guy that I lived with, his, his name is Jamie Evans. 
and he's he's a highly touted pitching coach and and he does he runs all my velo programs and his his wife um caitlin evans they they really treated me like their own child even though they just had a, a newborn baby um you know, whenever I—that's how they did. Uh, they treated everybody that came and lived with them when, and during summertime and worked out with them and stuff. Is they treated them like their own. You know, like it, it wasn't—you're just some kid. You're—we're trying to teach you. They were like, we're trying to teach you how to become a man. We're trying to teach you how to how to believe in yourself, how to how to have the faith that you need to have, and and to trust in in the process of what you're going through isn't going to be bigger than the outcome of what what's going to happen, and. You know, I, I give a, a lot of my credit to where I'm at right now to to Jamie Evans because he's he is one of those people outside of my own family who, you know, just just believed in me and and gave me that that sense of confidence and urgency to to be like, hey, I don't care what you say, I'm I'm gonna be playing again. And so no, after about you know the first, of course, the first initial couple of months of, of like depression and everything that I was going through I got out to Maryland and he was like all right none of that we're gonna we're gonna get back to where we were and, and be better and so it was just like it, it was as soon as my feet touched down in Maryland it was like hit the ground running and let's get after it that's awesome so like I just mentioned a second ago you're a guy that's very open uh, about your faith you know obviously on social media and different outlets like that um, just talk about kind of what, you know, where that stems from for you and, and how big of an impact that is in your life, just your faith in general. I mean, I've, I've always been, I've always grown up in the church. My fa- my parents did a, a very uh, good job of um, making sure that I was in church when I needed to be when I was younger and stuff, but it didn't take me, I, I, I knew God, but I didn't really know God until I I went through everything that I went through and I moved out to Maryland. You know, that's when my that's when my relationship with God started growing and it started getting bigger and stronger and I mean he he really he really did work in my life in in my journey out there and you know, no matter what I go through, it's it's always it's always for his glory. You know, everything that I do uh ends up coming back to him because it it, it doesn't matter if I'm the the best pitcher in the world or I never touch a baseball again you know he he gave me talents and he gave me a strong will and he gave me the 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 power to be confident in myself and and everything that I got going on for myself and so it's it's just breathtaking to know that with everything that I go through in life uh, he's always got a plan and I just got to trust in that, you know, like it's no matter what. No doubt. It's just, no. It's just, Absolutely. So uh, 2016, you finally get to South Carolina, step foot on campus, um, and you had a very, very successful season, 10 and six overall, 3.09 ERA, um, 128 strikeouts over 102 innings pitched. I mean, a fantastic year for the Gamecocks. Uh, I want to go to the beginning of that season because it's funny, just before we came on air, I was watching a couple different videos and saw the, I believe it's the Gamecock Insider video from that season. It was before opening day talking about you, you were being interviewed, uh, you know, talking about pitching in your first game and I guess a couple of years at that point, I believe it was against Albany. You can correct me if I'm wrong there. But your first start, first time getting on the mound in competitive action in a couple of years, and you mentioned that uh, you felt like the first pitch you were going to throw was going to hit the backstop because you were going to be so jacked up. 
just talking about what, you know, that, what, what you were feeling and what that was like to, you know, come back from everything you had faced and to finally step foot on the mound in Columbia and uh, what that feeling was like for you. Man, that was a crazy feeling. I mean, I, I still feel it to this day. And every time I, uh, every time it pops up on my Instagram, that, that video of, of that Gamecock Insider that I got to post, uh, I get chills because just knowing that uh, the day that I showed up on campus, everybody knew that I was there for a purpose and Coach Holbrook wanted me to be a weekend starter, whether it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I knew that Clark Schmidt was there and he was probably going to assume that Friday night role, but I wasn't going to let him have it real easy. And we, we battled it out every weekend uh, when it came down to it uh, and scrimmages and stuff. And then when I got to, got to find out that I was going to be the Saturday starter as a true freshman hadn't played in two years, you know, the, the emotion riding high, I stepped out on that field and I, I had tears coming down my face. And it was just, it was just in that moment that I was just awestruck at how, how loved and supported I felt uh, by, by the Gamecock fans, by the coaches, by my family and by my savior, you know, it was, it was just a, it was just a humbling, a humbling moment for me. And I, I like, like I said, man, I, I, said it in the interview that I was going to hit the backstop, but I knew that I wasn't going to. I think my first pitch was actually a strike. So uh, praise God for that one. But uh, no, man, I, I that was that was one of the most amazing moments in my life, and I'll never forget it just because I, everything that I'd been through in life and um, just the way that everybody believed in me and I believed in myself and – I was just ready to to get after it, and yeah, I, I definitely shed a few tears when I crossed those lines when I got out of the mound. Absolutely. So <clears throat> you mentioned your teammates a little bit earlier. I want to talk about that because one thing I didn't mention, as good as your record was, you guys as a team were very good as well that year, 46 and 18, 20 and 9. Um, you guys won the SEC East, and I mean, we're talking about a loaded SEC East. Everybody listening to this podcast knows, but I mean, Florida was right there, Vanderbilt. Um, Kentucky had a pretty good year that year. So to, for you guys, guys to win the SEC East that year, definitely a big-time accomplishment. But you talked about some of your teammates, and I'm going to go down the list here because you think of guys, like you said, like a Clark Schmidt, Adam Hill, Taylor Widener, Tyler Johnson, Vince Fiore, um, Matt Vogel, John Park, yourself, you know, Will Crow, Reed Scott, Josh Reagan, and amongst others. You're talking about some serious dudes and guys that, you know, a ton of those guys that I just mentioned, maybe all of them are playing in some sort of minor league system or some different organization. I know you're actually with Adam Hill right now uh, in the Brewers organization. Uh, talk about what that was like going to practice, going to inner squads every day, you know, competing with those guys. Can I, cause I can just imagine, you know, with that, that level of talent surrounding you, it only made you and those guys better. And I think led to the, led to the stats and the numbers you guys put up that year. For sure. Uh, I mean, yeah, Adam's actually my roommate here. He's in the other room. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'll have to give him some crap about that later. But, um, no, I, yeah, that team was just incredibly loaded. And, and uh, I said it I, – I believe I said it in an interview before that the toughest part about the SEC conference for me was facing the guys that I had to face on my own team every day, you know. I mean, you had great hitters in that lineup that could just mash baseballs. I think the most annoying hitter that I had to face all fall was actually my best friend, Jonah Bright. 
dude just he's like a mat. He's <laughs> just quiet, consistent. He's not gonna hit the ball out of the yard very much, but he will put it in play and it's just like goodness gracious, dude. Get out get out of the box, get away from me. I actually threw at him in the Gamecock World Series. So I ran it up underneath his chin, and I—I I, I mean, I'd throw at my own mother if she was in the box crowd the plate, but he—he he did that, tried to get in my head, and I—I I, kind of got him out of the box. Uh, but I, like I said, he's my best friend, and you know, I'd never hit him on purpose, but I would throw at him. Just, uh, but but that that lineup that lineup was incredible. The pitching staff was incredible, and just just getting to be with those guys and push ourselves toward that ultimate goal of trying to make it back to Omaha is, is the reason that we had so much success. You know, I mean, we did have some injuries here and there that kind of derailed the process, but that's going to happen throughout a, uh, throughout a long season. And I've learned that in pro ball even more is, is that it, the baseball season is long and, and you gotta, you gotta really focus on what you, what you got going on. And, but yeah, that, that team was, that was crazy good. Yeah, you talked about Jonah Bride. I was going to say, as annoying as he was when you faced him at the plate, I'm sure you appreciated him in the, in the field because obviously I'd say one of the – I'd have to argue one of the best defensive third basemen that's come through South Carolina. I mean, that guy was crazy good in the field. Yeah, he's always the most underrated player that I've ever played with. And when Coach Espo asked me about him, I was like, yeah, you need to go get this guy because he's going to be something special and you, you, you're going to want to be the guy that recognizes that. And so they got him out there. They offered him, and I got to play with my best friend again after two years of not even playing baseball. Yeah, I, I would say that turned out pretty well for South Carolina, getting, getting Jonah Bride on campus, no doubt. So um, just that year in general, like I mentioned, you guys 46-18, and 20-9 in the SEC. Um, didn't end, obviously, the way you guys wanted with losing in the Super Regionals um, to Oklahoma State at home. But just talk about, I mean, again, you know, you won the Columbia Regional – um, your one season in Columbia, Braden, you know, the season you were able to put up, the team was able to put up, you know, how special is that to you looking back, you know, knowing that, you know, you came to Columbia with a purpose and not only are you feeling that now in your pro career, but to able to get South Carolina back to a super regional where, you know, it rightfully belonged. How, how special is that to you looking back? It was super, it was super special because I know, I knew at the beginning of the season that the guys weren't going to stand for anything less than a, a, a super regional because uh, they didn't even make it to a regional the year before that. You know, um, Coach Holbrook was talking to me as I was coming in. He was like, hey, we got to get back. We got to get back. I was like, all right, like, give me the ball. We'll get back. You know, and that, that's just how I've always been. In, in any situation that's got pressure involved, I, I want the ball. I, I want I want the ball in my hands. I want to do whatever I can to help the team to get better. You know, and everybody else on the team was the exact same way. Clark, dog, he's a dog. He was like, all right, give me the ball. Oh, I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna win. Adam, another dog. He, I mean, he had he, he was young. He had a lot to learn, but he was like, "All right, let's go win." And all the all the position players that that helped that team that year were like, "All right, let's get in the box. Let's hit a nuke. Let's let's get this guy over. Let's do this. Let's get on base." And it was just like everybody was just coming in and trying to be lights out every day. And and not too many teams have that kind of chemistry to where it's like we didn't fight. We didn't argue very often you know we were we were all locked in and, and we were all linked up like a like a chain and everybody was fighting for the next guy and so that was that was a truly special year and it, it made my decision super tough to to leave 
Um, but you know, I had to, um, because that was my year of leverage. And if I could, if I could have had one more year and still got to make the same money the next year, then I would have, I would have totally stayed. And I tell people that all the time, you know, I, I miss college. I miss South Carolina, but you know, I had to do what was right for me and my family. And I'm, I'm great. I'm going to be forever grateful for that program and what they did for me. Yeah. And I was just going to say too, I mean, definitely the money side of it, but definitely just everything you battled through to get back. I mean, you know, tell a lot of, you, I'm sure you, you know, obviously you can attest you've been through it firsthand, but you don't ever know if that, you know, that if you're going to get drafted that high again, I mean, you believe it, but you know, I definitely say just coming from a baseball perspective, you work that hard to get back. And I think, uh, you know, putting up the numbers you did, I think you had certainly had every right to leave for sure. And do obviously what was best for you. And like you said, your family as well. Uh, I got to ask you because he was your former head coach, obviously 2017 South Carolina had another down year, missed the postseason. Um, and South Carolina and Chad Holbrook decided to part ways. He's now uh, definitely landing with Phoenix College of Charleston, which is a great baseball program. But when that happened, because uh, I know me, I, I was a little surprised. I, I, I thought he would get another year at South Carolina. Um, as somebody that played for him and then just kind of seeing that news, knee-jerk reaction, I mean, what was your reaction to that? I mean, just like ah, this is this is this is something that gets me fired up. Um, you know, everybody wants to put blame on, on Coach Holbert for how that 2017 season, but just like Clark Schmidt said, you know, he said in the – I think it was his last interview there at South Carolina, it was like that, that was not Holbrook's fault, you know we're the ones who go out there and put on the uniform. We're the ones who, who, who do this and that. We, we play the game. He just makes out the lineups, you know? And when you have so many, I mean, you go back and you look at that team and you tell me that they didn't have so many injuries that plagued them. I mean, how many, how many games did they lose or how many SEC conferences did they lose by one, one inning or a one pitch uh, you know, it was they lost eight consecutive in a row, and most, I mean, it, it was it was just incredible that it was just one pitch or one play that that they lost a whole series on by one run. You know, like it wasn't like they were just absolutely terrible. They they just things didn't go their way, and and when everybody's calling for a Holbrook's head, just like I've been lighting people up on Twitter. I mean, you know, I. That's my that's my new thing is just a second. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, it's just you. Like I said earlier in the interview, you know, when you were asking me about Holbrook and Coach Tanner and all, and Espo and all those guys, you're not going to back up back to back to back national championship runs. I mean, it's 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 pretty much impossible. I mean, wasn't wasn't last year in the NFL the first year that like. Tom Brady and the Patriots went back to back. Yeah. Of, totally, yep. Mm. How many college teams have been back to back to back <laughs> in the in the World Series? You know, and and when he gets the AD job and Coach Holbrook has to fill his shoes, fans are going to expect nothing but that. Mm. And yep. that and that's what they they did, and that's where the fans faltered. And you know, you, they didn't give him time to really fill those shoes and and fill that that role I mean it was just incredible to me because I mean we had so much talent the year that I came in 
and they they had talent before I ever came in too when Coach Holbrook was there. I mean, he was a he wasn't he a head coach for like two years before I showed up. Yep, yep. I yeah. think uh, twenty fourteen he, he took over or thirteen maybe. Yeah, yeah, thirteen. He had two super regionals, didn't make the postseason. Super regional, didn't make the postseason, and then everybody was like, "Oh yeah, let's get rid of Holbrook. <laughs> let's fire him." You know, that's that's just ridiculous to me. I I, I don't think that. I don't think that he was given a fair shake there, and I'll I'll go to the grave saying that because that I, that man battled for me to to come there, and I'll battle for him uh, every day. Not that I'm not saying that Kingston's not a great coach because Kingston has made me feel very welcome every time that I show back up on campus. You know, he lets me go out there, work out with the guys. Uh, coach Mead lets me lets me talk to the pitchers. He lets the pitchers ask me questions and things like that. So I get to help that program still. But I just I just firmly believe in my heart that Coach Holbrook wasn't given a fair shake there. And like I said, I'll, I'll take that to the grave because that that was just ridiculous how everybody handled that situation. Yeah, yeah I was gonna say that year. You are right, 2017. It, I remember watching, you know, that season. It seemed like every single series. I don't know why this one sticks out, but the the LSU series. I remember. You, I mean, you have your guy in Tyler Johnson, and one thing leads to another. And like you were saying, it was like it, it was it was weird. It was like every little thing was so maximized that season for South Carolina, and they lost so many games they easily could have won. I mean, that easily could have been another team back in the, you know, hosting a regional, super regionals, what have you. So, yeah, that was that was an insane season. But, yeah, I want to get to, you know, you talked about, you know, I think it's funny because obviously South Carolina, you know, I vouch is, you know, if not the best college baseball program, it is one of the top two or three in the entire country, and that is due to, you know, the culture and, you know, everything that Ray Tanner built with the national championships going to three straight. But you think about Ray Tanner's, you know, tenure, he – he started there, I believe, in 97 or 98, I think. And, I mean, it took him – you know, it took a little while to get it going, right? I mean, you had a couple of different Omaha appearances, 2000, 2002, some great teams there. But, I mean, even there was a window for Ray Tanner where people were like, hey, is this, is this the guy that's going to get us there? And, like you said, I think the precedent that Ray Tanner set with those national championships, nobody was going to be able to follow that up. But you're a guy that's very, very active on social media. I know you do a lot of cooking sessions on social media. Um, <laughs> Just kind of talk about, you know, why you like being so involved with social media. Because, I, you know, I would argue you're one of the best, uh, you know, not just Gamecock baseball players, but former South Carolina athletes in general to uh, to follow on social media. Oh, I appreciate that. And I think, uh, I think the thing that really just set me off was, you know, when I was there, uh, people were calling for Holbrook's head and calling for his job. And there was a few times where I had to be outspoken about, everything that was going on and, and coach Holbrook was like, dude, you can't say that stuff. And I, I looked at him and I was like, coach, you going to stop me. I'm I'm going to have your back. You know, like that's my job as a player. People come to me and they start roasting you about something. I'm not going to let that happen. And people, I've always been one of those people. I don't care what anybody else has to say. I'm going to speak my mind. I'm going to speak my opinion because it, some stuff needs to be said. Yeah. Sometimes it's a lot of joking around or whatever, but just like the, the first time I started my, my cooking show, uh, you can catch me on Twitter, by the way, at BWeb30. Uh, I'll be cooking people all the time. But, no, um, when people, uh, like, talk bad about players, individual players, it's like Carmen. For, this is this dude's second season as a Gamecock. 
he went from some midweek starts last year to pitching his ever-loving mind out this offseason to the Friday night guy. The coaches trusted in him to be that Friday night guy. Yeah, he had a couple rocky starts the first couple weekends. So you go back and look at my stats. I didn't have great outings. Uh, I mean, I got shelled by Clemson, and people were calling for my head and saying I didn't need to be a weekend starter. But then I, Arkansas came the very next weekend. You know, SEC play happened. Uh, and it was like, okay, well, let's see what this kid's got. And then I go out and play Ole Miss, who was ranked ahead of us. Lift them up. Go out to Vandy, at Vandy. Light them up. I mean, you just – it just frustrates me to see people that are supposed – they call themselves Gamecock fans, and, and then they talk trash on players like that. So I, I just started letting people have it, you know. That's just me. I'm not, I'm not going to let something go unsaid if I have something to say, and I don't like what other people have to say. If, they got, if they're voicing their opinions and I think it's the wrong opinion, I'm going to let them have it, you know. I don't care if you block me on social media or not. You're, you're – follow your whatever doesn't matter to me it's it's all about showing support for the boys and showing that you truly care about that program you truly care about what's going on I don't care if you're filled with a, a negative emotions about how one specific player is don't call them out don't call them trash don't don't talk bad about the coach don't like that's just not something that needs to be done and I learned that in my time as a Gamecock that people can't really voice their opinions because fans get butthurt about it. And now that I'm no longer there uh, and I'm, I'm a Gamecock alum, I, I can do whatever I want and I'll let people have it if they need it. Yeah. I was going to so tell everybody. If, 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 if anybody wants to smoke, if anybody wants to smoke, I got guns blazing. Yeah, I was going to say, for anybody listening, if you don't follow Braden on Twitter, go do so. And then the best time to check into his Twitter account is after South Carolina maybe loses a midweek game or just loses a series in general. Definitely the midweek games, though. That, that, I feel like those are when the most fire takes come out from uh, from King Gok Nation. It's so funny. I had somebody text me. It's kind of off topic. I had somebody text me. I think it was Friday or Saturday of, uh, of last weekend. and Somebody was saying, man, that, you know, just – bitching and moaning about that Gardner Webb game and they're like how does that happen how does that happen I'm like dude it's baseball like you just you, you can't take yeah the boys just, <laughs> yeah the boys just played eight games in 10 days and you're gonna expect them to win every single one no shot that's gonna happen yeah. and, and, people get and, tired yeah and people don't realize like the guy for Gardner Webb I mean he's a six foot eight right hander throwing on the mound he's not bad let's just put it, he's, he's not the easiest you know they didn't they didn't throw their worst guy against South Carolina I mean you have to think those midweek games a lot of the smaller programs are you know I'm not saying South Carolina's not taking it serious for sure but I mean those those you know the smaller teams that that means a ton for them to get a win in that midweek game and for South Carolina a lot of times you're you know you're trying out different arms you're trying guys in different scenarios you're seeing how guys react in different situations. And, I mean, a game like Gardner-Webb can happen. So, I mean, it's – I just thought it was ironic, though, that we were bringing that up, too. So, Yeah. But, no, yeah, let's move into uh, – let's move into your professional career, obviously. Like I talked about, you were drafted in the third round in 2016 uh, by the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, first, I'll just ask you, what's the transition been like? Because you talked about how many games there are in minor league baseball. I mean, you go from playing – 
you know, what, 60, 65 games in college to, I mean, you're playing a full, what's it in minors, 140? I don't think it's not the 140 something. I think last year I ended up playing like 100 and, um, 100 and, 160 something. Okay, so you're playing a full season. I mean, you're almost playing a full MLB season, basically. Just talk about the transition, because yeah. I've heard from guys that's definitely one of the biggest things is just how long the season is, can get. How how were you able to handle that? And then just from your game perspective, you know, your game as a starting pitcher, as a pitcher in general, you know, how did your game transition to the professional level? You know, I mean, the the game changed when it became five five day rotation instead of seven from college, you know, and the, the first full season was definitely a grind, but then the second season came and I knew how to prepare my body and I knew how, how many days rest I needed here and there or whatever. And just the way I attacked my days uh, and prepared myself for each start, this got your, your routine gets better. Uh, and so I, I would say that like, I'm just, I, I mean, I'm still learning. I'm still, still figuring out what works best for my body, what I need to do in certain situations to have better recovery, really go about my business. But it's, uh, it's definitely a grind in pro baseball and people don't realize that because they see, Oh, you were drafted in this round and you got this much money, but you know, month to month in the minor leagues, you get paid. I mean, I think this year, if I go back to double A, I'm making $1,700 a month. That is not money to live off of because <laughs> your first your first check goes straight to rent and then you have nothing until the second set or the second two week or the second portion of the payment comes in two weeks later. You know what I mean? So it's just like you got to learn to to manage money. You got to learn how to how to manage how you go about your business during the day. And, and whew, it's it's tough. But I love it, and I love every second of it. Yeah, no, it's funny because you, you talked about what people see. You know, they just see the round and the money that goes with it. Or def- even in the majors, they just see the product on the field or what have you or when people go to games in the minors. But, you know, you know, I mean, you firsthand know the minors is a lot of long bus rides, a lot of peanut butter and jellies. Um, and you hear Ooh. that said over and over. Is that the case for you? As well? I mean, talk about just kind of the grind of minor league baseball in general. Uh, it's, it's definitely a grind, you know, I live off ramen. I love ramen noodles <laughs> and I, I definitely love peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Um, you know, but it's just, it's also finding ways to cook meals that you enjoy at home and learning not to eat out all the time mm-hmm. because fast food is, it's hard for recovery. It's hard for the body and, you know, just like going out and having a few drinks here and there is, is okay. But it's like, it's it's definitely tough to to balance having a social life and playing ball on on top of it because my day starts once I wake up at like noon and then I'm at the field by one thirty two o'clock we're and then we're busy from two o'clock till midnight and then you get back home so it's like throughout that day I gotta find time to balance having a social life and and being on another bus in another city every four or five days, you know? So it's just, it's definitely a struggle and you got to find new ways to, to, to relax and to release tension and to, to just let loose of all the stuff that's going on at work. Hmm. 
Absolutely. So, you know, I would say from my perspective, Braden, your, your professional career has gone, you know, pretty well to this point. I mean, 2017, you were uh, at a single A full season, went six and seven, four, three, six ERA through 86 innings. 2018, you bounced around from, um, you know, high A, went five and eight there, 4.2 ERA as a starter, 100 innings pitch. Also made the jump up to double A, which I thought was interesting. One and oh, 1.8 ERA, like you threw really, really well there. Um, I know each of these organizations has a plan. You know, baseball is all about projecting a guy three, four, five years down the road. How can he help your organization? Uh, what have the Brewers said to you about kind of their plan for you? Do you, do you have any track like that you're on? Uh, you know, I, I mean, they uh, they pretty much just just tell me what to what to do and where to be. Um, and you know, I, I try not to read into what is going on because some things can get said and then other things can happen, you know, so I got to worry about what's going on in my own lane. And I can't worry about what this guy's doing, what that guy's doing. How can I move up faster? I just got to focus on where I'm at in the moment and pitch to the game that I got and, and play my game. Because if I do that, then I'll have more success than if I'm worried about what everybody else is going on and, and what they're telling me and all that stuff, you know, it's, it's people get caught up in that and then that's when they start going downhill. I try to just keep making baseball fun. I mean, mm -hmm. you can catch me in the dugout dancing when I'm not pitching and, and just being a clown, pulling jokes on people. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's just me. That's how I've always been. That's how I'll always be. I like to, I like to have fun with it. Absolutely. So you're a guy, Braden, obviously very, uh, very charismatic, have a lot of energy on the mound, you know, got, got, in my opinion, very explosive, I have good velocity, some dynamic breaking stuff. Uh, tell us, what is Braden Webb, the pitcher right now? What are you most working on in your game? Is it throwing strikes more consistently? Are you working on a new pitch? What, what, you know, what are you working on the most right now to get ready for the 2019 season? Uh, uh, being more consistent with my delivery and, playing in the strike zone, uh, you know, climbing the ladder, playing bottom to top, let my curveball be nasty, let my changeup be nasty, let my fastball be explosive, and, and limiting walks is basically what I'm working on right now. Because, I mean, just like whenever I was in South Carolina, I'll I'll leave most every category in walks and, and then up. But I'll come back, right back, and sometimes you got to walk the bases loaded to strike out the side. So, you know, uh that's just how that's how I've always been, and that's something that I really need to focus on is is to limit down those walks. And I think once I do that, then I mean the the self inflicted runs that I give up will will lessen, and you know we'll see what happens from there. But that's that's mostly my main focus is limiting down those walks. No doubt. So for the people listening that are Let's face it, most people like you and I aren't diehard, diehard baseball fans. But for the people that are listening, is there anyone that you've faced during your you know, career in the minor leagues, especially when you made the jump to double A, that might, uh, you know, might, might ring a bell for people that, you know, just someone that was maybe down or someone that's a you know, big-time prospect or a guy that's maybe at the MLB level now? Uh, I mean, I face some of our own guys. I face uh, Evan, Evan Marzelli. Okay. Uh, from South Carolina, um, you know, I faced Joe Adele. He's a top prospect in the Angels organization. Um, I'm trying to think. I went head to head against Taylor Widener. Oh yeah, oh yeah. 
Former um, game in, in the championship series. Yeah, in the championship series last year. I'm trying to think of who else I faced. No, nah, nah, that's that's about all I can remember off the top of my head right now. Right. You you talked about Taylor Widener, and you mentioned earlier in the show that Adam Hill's literally in the room next to you. By the way, I had to talk to you about that uh, after the uh, the show here. We got to get him on as well. But how cool is it to be able to, you know, you went to South Carolina, obviously made a relationship with Adam Hill there, and then he gets selected. Uh, he's now with the Brewers organization. You guys are rooming together, and you're kind of able to be – I guess you'd kind of like say his mentor, if you will, a guy you've already been through the fire, been through the minor league grind. How cool is that to be able to, you know, carry on that relationship in the pro ball? It's awesome. You know, I mean, I've, I've always kept up with guys that I played with in South Carolina and just to, to have him get called over, it just adds another Gamecock into our locker room. So we get to go to, go fighting with the club sucks tigers that played and that worked for them, you know, because uh, we have guys like Weston Wilson, who's in our organization as well. And he's actually one of my, my good buddies. And uh, and then one of our trainers, our double-A trainer this year, his name is uh, Jeff Bodenheimer, and he, he worked at Clemson as a, as a, as a trainer. Was and that the so one you had to bet all... with on Twitter? Because uh, I, I yeah. was following along. Oh, yeah. I'm, I, I'm trying to get some uh, some – South Carolina gear riled up and I'm going to, I'm going to wrap him up in a <laughs> South Carolina flag and make him wear some South Carolina hats. So, I mean, if, if anybody wants to send me anything, you know, if you want to, if you want to send me a Spurs up show flag, yeah, I was about I'll make to say, we might need up. to have that conversation because yeah, know, for sure. Do for that calls, especially that, that sounds like too much fun to pass, to pass up on. Oh, <laughs> for sure. I'm, I'm excited to get to, to take that picture and blast it all over social media. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, play, playing with Adam again, it's it's, it's going to be fun. It's, it's been great living with him. Great dude, great personality, uh, great player. And, and just getting to show him the ropes of our organization and everything has just been fun. Yeah, and if I know you at all, you'll probably be shit-talking him all season. You guys fighting for who has the lower ERA and stuff like that. I, I'd have to imagine <laughs> there's going to be some friendly wagers this season. Oh, for sure. You know, I mean, it's it's always fun to make bets with with your friends on 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 things like that. It keeps you competitive. I'm a, I'm a firm believer in betting uh, with your buddies and and just doing little things to to make sure that you guys stay in check and to make sure that you guys stay accountable. And yeah, I'll definitely be doing that with Adam. I mean, of course, I'll win every category, but yeah, who's uh, who's counting, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So, all right, before we let you go, Braden, obviously I know I've kept you a while. Before I let you go, though, we are Gamecocks podcast. So best memory or favorite memory from South Carolina that uh, that you can tell – that you want to share on the airwaves, I'll say. Um, I would say my favorite was going to Ole Miss and sweeping them and then uh, the, the game I had there and then taking a no-hitter into the seventh inning against Vandy. Um, the ne- very next weekend was two of my favorite memories from uh, from playing them, and then of course when Jonah tried to pile drive the catcher from Rhode Island, uh, and we got the we had the dugout clearing mess going on. Clark Schmidt looking at me and saying, "If you go, I'll go." I was like, "Well, we going then?" And I jumped over the rail, and Coach Myers tried to grab us both, and we we kind of euro stepped him to get past because we were ready to throw hands. But um, no, that was definitely some of the most fun I've ever had uh, was playing for the University of South Carolina. 
Yeah, I was going to say, was that Vanderbilt game the same game that you uh, you did the barrel roll off the mound? Because I remember oh, that clip yeah, was very that, – that was a very popular clip there for a while. Oh, yeah. It blew up. went viral. <laughs> Love it. But yeah. even though I make fun of a lot of people on Twitter and, and call out call out a lot of people, I'll be the first to do the same for myself. And I was. Made sure that I was the first to do it because, you know, if I can't laugh at myself for something stupid that I do – who else is going to laugh, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Good stuff. Well, Braden, I appreciate you taking the time, man. Uh, obviously, a pleasure to talk to you. We'll definitely work on getting the uh, the Spurs Up show merch out there because I, I would love nothing more than to see a Clemson fan wrapped up in, uh, in Gamecock gear. And if it's going to be Gamecock gear, why not have it be the Spurs Up show themed Gamecock gear? So we'll work on that. But, yeah, man, appreciate you taking the time. And, uh, you know, thank you for all you did for Gamecock Nation. And definitely best no, of luck I to you. A, and Adam. I have a question for you. You have, have a question, question for me? For okay. Is your is your is your hat on straight or is it? So I don't have a trick question. I don't have a hat on. That that's the thing. So for those listening, yeah. Braden loves to tune in to the Daily Crow every day. And I I I saw you today. I didn't see the question though. It was would you ra- It was a would you rather question. I think right. I, I didn't oh, see yeah, the question. Was, I, t- was, I was able to tune you out pretty good today. I'm not gonna lie though. Some days some days you get me. I see it and I'm like I can't stop thinking about what he just wrote. So. no uh my would you rather question was would you rather let 10 pigeons uh fly around you all day and poop on you or would you rather lick peanut butter out of a garbage can like a like a one that's outside and it's got a lot of trash in it Mm -hmm. I'm, I, I mean, I don't, I'm probably going with peanut butter. I'll be completely honest with you. I I don't want to walk around and get crapped on all day. I just, and I like peanut butter. I mean, it's, yeah. it's <laughs> think of all the trash that's in the I know, trash can, man. I, I know, but just off the cuff, like, so I've got to lick it clean, though, is what you're saying. Like, it's got to be licked clean. I can't, like, leave a little, like, oh, yeah. light you're, you're glaze of peanut butter out of a bunch of garbage. Like, it could be on, like, a paper plate that's been there for, like, Okay, so it's not – it's a full days. garbage can. Like, it's a full garbage can. Oh, yeah, like, that, oh, okay. like the ones that are outside where you got to walk to take your trash to. That you oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I, I, see, I'm sitting here just thinking of a trash can. Maybe it's empty. So, I'm, I'm trying to twist the – I'm trying to twist the would you rather question. I think that's what's going on. I mean, no, I guess the, I, don't, I don't know. That, but neither one of those are a great option. So No, that's, that's why it's called would you rather. Yeah, I know. I've got one. Would you rather have uh, – what is it? Would you rather Wait, have fingers? you didn't answer my question. No, I, I, I went with the poop side. I, I flipped. You flipped me there. I, I right. flipped to the poop side. So mine would right, be yeah. – uh, w- would you rather – what was it? W- would you rather have fingers as toes or toes as fingers? That's a terrible one. That's the one I have. I mean, I, I don't have a better yeah, one. Yeah, but you're, uh, you're more creative than that. you you got to come up with something better. See, I have one. I can't fit. It's, there's one, would you rather have Cheeto fingers for the rest of your life or I think peanut butter stuck to the roof of your mouth or something like Maybe I'm saying that one wrong. I, I think there's another oh, one. That would be a tough See, one. that is a tough one. I think maybe that's you, what it is. You would want to lift the Cheeto finger, the Cheetos off your finger. I would have to go with Cheeto fingers because <laughs> I couldn't have peanut butter stuck to the roof of my mouth. Yeah, that, um, that's would, a hard one. You talked about it. That's a hard one. I also said Cheeto fingers, by the way. So we're in agree. Yeah. We're we're agreeing there, no doubt. Yeah. So yeah, yeah um, we'll have to get you back on, man. We'll have just a complete "Would you rather" episode. Would you rather? Because now you're now you're initiating. Roast fest. 
Yeah, we should yeah, have a that, complete roast fest. See, really, what I want to have you do. We so if you want to do a roast fest, we should wait until South Carolina loses a midweek game. Let's hop on right after live, and you can just pull your Twitter feed up live, and we'll just go to work. <laughs> That's literally oh, the best I'm time to do sure, it. <laughs> I'm for sure in there on that. Yeah, I was just going to say, God forbid South Carolina loses the Citadel tomorrow night. Go check out Braden Webb's Twitter feed because you just never know what might pop off. I mean, you just – you truly never know. <laughs> and I really okay, do I feel bad for the people – I feel bad for the people that, sl- that you know, dive into your mentions willingly. I think those people are insane. Yeah, like it's like <laughs> you know that whatever you have to say is not going to equate to what I'm going to throw down at you. <laughs> just like oh my favorite one I actually made a I kind of felt bad for this guy even though I did roast him was I was watching the softball game and the dude our girls softball team has been tearing it up this year get into SEC play and Kentucky just was played better than them for the weekend I'm not gonna say they're a better team because they just right. played better and this guy was like yikes we play a team with a pulse and I was like bro like it's physically impossible for you to play a dead team. <laughs> and I was like, I told him how his negative or his negative comments weren't necessary and all this stuff. And he apologized to me. So I felt bad. I was like, dude, like you can't just say, I'm sorry. Like, I'm not going to, that's not going to, that's not going to be acceptable anymore. I'm, I'm just making that known right now on the Spurs Up show that if you apologize to me after I roast you, I'm going to roast you even more just because you did <laughs> And I will, I I will show no mercy. I will not allow that to ever happen. And yeah, so baseball and softball fans, football, basketball, whatever you want to, whatever Gamecock fan needs roasting, because I don't do well with the Fairweather fans. Uh, I mean, the same people that I started roasting were people who told me I didn't need to be a weekend starter and then were praising me after SEC play started and I I turned out to be a, a pretty decent pitcher for the Gamecocks. So um, I'm just – I'm over it. So everybody that needs needs to beware, beware, because I'm, I'm coming out and I'm, I'm, I'll fire up the grill real fast and I'll set you on fire. Cooking sessions on Braden Webb's Twitter feed. I love it. Uh, all right, way well, hey, Braden, like I said, love to have you back on. Let's do it again sometime. And, uh, you know, obviously to you, Adam, all the Gamecocks, best of luck this upcoming season for sure. We'll be, uh, we'll be keeping in touch and keeping up with you guys. Thank you. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. All right, perfect. So, yeah, yes, sir. So for Braden Webb and Thomas Floyd, I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll catch you next week on another episode of The Smart Show.